Good morning, Central. So good to see you. How are you all doing? Okay, probably a bit OTT. And as you can see, you're in my lounge. And like many of you, this lounge has become a classroom, a family room, a office space. It's quite a surreal time, isn't it, to be around the house so much and engaged and doing so much within our front rooms and living spaces. You can see behind me my DVD collection, so if you get slightly bored, then you can check out my fairly weak and amateur DVD collection. But we're in my lounge, of course, this is quite strange times, and there's a whole range of challenges over the last few weeks, isn't there, that are presenting themselves. I've been homeschooling like many of you. My early perception of my son Jensen is that because of my input and teaching this week, is that he's likely next year he'll be going on to fast track to be doing his hires next year is my guess. <laughs> of course, it's just strange, isn't it? I'm finding this homeschooling hard, like I'm sure many of you are. I went for my one walk a day with Jensen yesterday, and I'm not sure if this quite fits in the curriculum, but we spent a lot of time sharing jokes. And Jensen had two pretty good jokes, actually. The first one was, what do you call a cow on a trampoline? A milkshake. I thought that was pretty good. But his second joke, which I actually thought was better, is why was the cow not on the trampoline? I said, I don't know, why is the cow not on the trampoline? He said, because it's a cow, silly. Cows don't go on trampolines. So just two brilliant jokes to lighten your Sunday. But this inevitably and invariably is a tricky time, isn't it? You're probably fed up with people calling it an unprecedented situation in history, and it is. It's challenging, it's hard, it's tricky at times, and it allows us to feel and display a whole range of emotions and responses. It's hard and for different reasons we respond to different concerns. Some of us are concerned about loved ones, about healthcare, about our own personal health. Some of us are concerned about jobs or perhaps people we're employing, will we be able to provide them financially? Perhaps it's food on the table for our families, it's a hard time. Perhaps it's the government or the prisons or the education systems. What does this mean for a nation as a whole? This is unprecedented and challenging times. And it's worth saying that you shouldn't feel guilty if you're feeling anxious. I've spoken to many people in our church this week and there is a level of anxiety and it fluctuates at different times. Perhaps it's a social isolation, perhaps it's not seeing friends, perhaps it's just the uncertainty, the unknown, but there will be anxiety and we shouldn't feel guilty about that. But what we want to do in a moment is just turn to God's word and get some hope and some strength from that. And I'm aware that there might be one or two people who haven't been at church or at church for a long while or perhaps even ever. And perhaps you're flicking through YouTube and you found this funny guy with glasses and you thought you'd just check us out. Well, we want to just allow God's word to speak truth to us this morning and to give you hope for all of us in this nation. It's challenging times. We want to allow God to speak hope into our situation, and our lives and our city and our nation. You might have seen on the news this week, but they were saying how the NHS staff have more than ever started praying at the start of their shift. They said that on the 10 o'clock news, not just Christians, but the NHS staff as a whole recognising that it's challenging times. They've got a really key job to do. And I'm sure like me, you want to just express your thanks to them. I thought last night personally was just fantastic to have that to get togetherness of clapping for our NHS staff to celebrate the great work they do. But we want to look to God's word, we want to look to Jesus to instill hope and peace in what is such uncertain times. And before we do that, we just want to recognise that as we look to God, as we look to the Bible, it's understandable there will be questions about God, where are you in this crisis? God, where 
is it that you're speaking to us? Why are you seeming to be so absent? Don't you care about us? Don't you want to be alongside us? Where is it that you are? You say that you care about us. You say that you love us. So why are you seemingly so absent at the moment? Those are all fair and legitimate questions. But what we want to do is allow our response to that to be shaped by scripture and Jesus, not by our social media friends. I was speaking to Naomi this week and she was saying how the challenge is, is that there's lots of prophetic insight, lots of words online, lots of things we can read. And she was saying how Pete Gregg, who's a well-respected prophetic voice, well-respected church leader in the UK, has been saying that in a time of crisis, we shouldn't jump to prophetic words. We should just spend time looking at who God is, his goodness, looking at the truth, looking at the hope. We know he cares about us. It's the simple things we need to appreciate and value for ourselves, one another and for our church. Last night at three in the morning, Adele screamed upstairs and said that we had a flood in our kitchen. It was a bit of a disaster, flooding everywhere. We had to get towels out and a lot of our stuff got wet. A plumber came around about 4.30 and cleaned up, but it was really quite frustrating and disappointing and a bit annoying, to be completely honest. But my gut reaction was, why are we doing this? Why have we got to have someone in our house? Why have we got to pay for this? God, what are you doing? And Adele said at four in the morning to a very bleary-eyed Andy, I wonder what God wants to say to us through this. Now that wasn't what I wanted to hear, but there's so much truth. In this challenge, in this crisis, what is it God wants to say to us? What is the still small whisper of God? How can we be reassured by his truths? So we're going to turn to John 14 and the second half of John 14. John is one of the gospels, which are like the biographies of the life of Jesus. They tell the story of Jesus. And as we open up John 14, it'll be on the screen, I think. But if not, then grab a Bible or just listen to me, read it out. We recognise it's one of the four biographies. And this second half basically describes Jesus's last days. The first half talks about the journey he was on. Largely, it's for three years of ministry. Not much at all said about his first 30 years of life. But it talks about his miracles and his healings. But now, almost half of John is dedicated to his last few days on earth. What he wants to share, how he journeyed, what he wants to say to his disciples, what he wants to say to us, the future church. And that's where we are today. And as we open up John 14, which I will in a moment, we can almost sense the tension we can almost sense the tension because Jesus is going to be with his father and has his death imminently approaching. And equally, the disciples are like, well, how can we cope? How can we manage without our saviour, our Lord? Our best friend is going. How will we cope? But we look to see that Jesus provides hope and reassurance. And as we go about our daily lives, I know we don't get out and about much for obvious reasons. But when we do, you can sense the tension. You can sense the concern, you can sense that atmosphere that's around our city and our nation for very understandable and legitimate reasons. But what we want to read today gives us all hope. It gives our nation and society at large hope. So let's turn to John 14. If I had thought in advance, I would have put a bookmark to where it is. But what do you know? I've got to it, first page. So John 14 from verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see you anymore, but will see me. Because I live you, I live 
Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will continue to come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'll be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that he, the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, now let us leave. A bit of a joke I'm sure at the end, come now let us leave. I mean, where can we go? So I'm sure it's a bit of irony to us today, but why don't I pray for us as we look at this word from Jesus. Lord, in these very bizarre situations of me sitting in my front lounge of people watching in their sitting rooms, we pray that you would speak truth and power and hope to us this morning. Amen. So this passage we've read opens up this paradox, I guess, between the prince of the world and the light of the world. So Jesus is described elsewhere as the light of the world, but he also refers to the prince of the world, the devil, who, as we can very evidently see in today's world, is causing pain and destruction and hardship. There is a devil, there's an enemy, and there is inevitably suffering and hardship. And Jesus is both in the world, he came to the world in human form, but also not of the world, he's above the world, he came from heaven, he created the world. He loves the world, he loves us, his people, but he's also above and beyond the world and went to be with his father and therefore left his spirit to live alongside us. And there's still, as the prince of the world is active until Jesus returns, there will be hardship and suffering. What's very obvious in this passage and just throughout scripture is that we'll be suffering. Jesus says that as his followers, when there's persecution, he doesn't say if there's persecution, he says when there's persecution, there's an assumption there will be hardship. Now, this isn't persecution, but this is definitely hard for both the followers of Jesus and for people in society at large. This is a hard time. Jesus doesn't say, follow me, there will be no hardship. There will be suffering, there will be challenge, and we can see it in a very real way today. But what he does say amidst that suffering is this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let me read that again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What incredible hope that he leaves us with that peace. He even says the, the prince of the world has no hold over me. Jesus is in complete control. He's completely able. He leaves us with his peace. It says elsewhere that the perfect love casts out fear. The perfect love casts out the fear. The peace comes from a loving union. 
We see in this passage that the Father loved the Son and sent the Son for us to have eternal life. And the Son leaves the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with us, to walk with us, to journey with us, to comfort us. This loving union that we can be part of. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity in perfect and loving union. We are allowed to enter in that to provide us with peace and comfort and the Holy Spirit. You might have read just this week about the Catholic priest who was 75, who was running around Italy doing an incredible job of helping people, but eventually caught the virus himself. And he said, but I don't want to ventilate, I want to give it to someone else who's more worthy of this. That is someone who just was engaging with a loving union of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, because he just was so overwhelmed with peace and love that he passed it on to others. But Jesus leaves us with the Holy Spirit. And it's worth saying that the Holy Spirit is described here as the advocate. And what we can see, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch, but as you do reading around this, you see that the word advocate and spirit doesn't really do it justice. It's a really rich word to describe him as our comforter, to walk alongside us, to comfort us, to help us, to support us, to guide us, to show us the way, to advocate for us. When we aren't quite sure what to do or feel out of our depth, he wants to advocate and stand for us like a lawyer in the law courts. The spirit is with us and able. He wants to advocate us for us, comfort us and reassure us. And as the spirit is with us, we also see that the true hope, the true reassurance comes from the fact that the Spirit is here, that Jesus left the Spirit with us until he returns. He's coming back. We probably don't talk about that enough. But we believe as Christians, Jesus is in complete control because he's coming back. He's conquered death. He is in charge of this world. He's in complete control of everything because one day he's going to come back and end all the evil, end all the suffering and rebuild his world to allow the created world to come to its former glory from day one. He's coming back. There's hope in Jesus. There's challenge, there's hardship, there's definite pain and suffering, but he's coming back. When we realize, we realize that this changes everything. This changes everything. It changes what we value and perceive as important here on earth. And then if you saw Nicola Sturgeon, she said, at this time we value solidarity family and we also value a sense of purpose and hope now these things are obviously right and these are good but actually for us as christians when we look to jesus and realize he's coming back and we have an eternal perspective we realize we value very different things we look to different sources of hope and peace earthly things are so seemingly unimportant we realize that our time on earth is so short in comparison to our time on et in eternity with jesus we value completely different things and have a completely different hope and reassurance when we turn to Jesus. It's like taking ourselves having a bird's eye view from heaven, realising he's got it, he's in control. And he cares about me and you. He cares about society at large, but he's in complete control because he's coming back. Billy Graham was an evangelist who passed away last year. And there's a video circulating from him. And in the video, he talks about the fact that if you only knew what God was doing in this time, if you only just knew that he's in control, you'd completely change your perspective. His ways are above ours, his thoughts are above ours. We don't know exactly what he's doing and how he's doing it. 
But we do know that he's in control and we do know that he's doing great things even amidst this hardship. He's in control, he's coming back and he wants to offer eternal life and hope to you and I. Our time on earth is seemingly so short compared to eternity without pain, in, within joy and peace and hope in Jesus. That's where our peace comes from, this peace that surpasses all understanding. He's victorious over death. One of our church members recently said that they were able to chat to their grandchild who's, for obvious reasons, in fear and panicking, and just reassured them that for them, the thought of dying was just not a concern because they knew they were going to be with their earthly father. They knew they were going to be with Jesus for eternity. What hope and reassurance we have, what security we have, and we know that Jesus is in control. He's coming back. He offers us eternal life. And how deep and profound is the peace that comes from that? How deep and profound is the peace and reassurance that comes from knowing the walked on earth and he offers us eternal life. He's in control and he's completely on the throne. The last verse in verse 31, it says, He has no hold of me, but he comes that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. He has to go and die on the cross. He has to go and do what the Father has commanded him to do. As we saw earlier, he was nervous around this, but he goes to the cross. He follows the obedient steps that his Father asked him to. But he follows the will of the Father. And there's this tension here. In scripture, and I've observed it in the last week or so, that in, verse, in chapter 12 and chapter 14, in the chapters before the chapter we've just read, in chapter 12, Jesus says, I need to take up the cup of suffering that my father has allowed me to drink from. And equally in verse 14, in the passage before this, I've actually got a verse from it here. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I didn't do that especially for today, just to be clear. But I put that together. It's above my desk. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And... Jesus, his will is for hope and peace and security in each and every one of us. But we live in wartime where there is challenge because of the prince of the world is still active. But we hold both things in tension, but we want God to have his way and for his will to surpass. And that might mean hardship at times. That might mean the unknown, uncertain ways of Jesus coming through. But equally, we can ask anything in Jesus' name and he can turn it around. He's still on the throne. He's still able, he's still, when we ask in his name, with power and authority, to, he's able to heal, he's able to restore, he's able to provide vaccine, he's able to provide peace and reassurance. Jesus is on the throne, he's good, he's alive. He's very aware of the pain and suffering you are going through and he wants to offer that incredible peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because he's coming back, because he's on the throne, because the prince of the world does not have the final say, because he is alongside us as the comforter, the spirit of truth, the eternal hope in Jesus that is available to us if we follow him. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for all of us as we reflect on what God's word says to us this morning. You might want to close your eyes as I pray for us. And I also want to say that it could be that you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian. We're aware that in this period that there is likely to be people listening in who aren't Christians and people who are open to some reassurance and hope in a time of such uncertainty and difficulty. We want to provide peace and security and an opportunity for you to respond to that 
as a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to pray for us right now. God, we just bring before you our anxieties, our concerns, our nervousnesses. We bring before you them right now. Whether it's employment, health, family, isolation, the economy, the government, whatever it is, we bring it before you. But we ask now that that peace that surpasses all understanding would come upon us. That we'd have such hope and reassurance and steadfastness and security in you, Lord. That your spirit, the comforter, would get around us right now. And we pray with faith, Lord, that you would turn this very difficult situation around and use it for the good of our lives, our nation and our world. We pray that many would turn to you in this season of challenge and many would meet with you and many would know peace and hope and joy in you. Lord, we love you. You're so good. Bless us now. Comfort us now, we pray. Amen. Do enjoy the rest of your Sundays. I think I'm handing over to Zach now. But amazing to be with you and God bless. And as a church, we're standing in this together. Please just keep looking out for one another, keep turning to Jesus, keep trusting that he's on the throne, keep supporting one another, because ultimately he's good, he's alive and he cares for you. Amen.